Thank you very much. Appreciate Eric singing. I'm glad you got over COVID and praying for Kathy as she is getting over COVID as well. And uh, just excited to be able to worship God. That's a true story, is it not? Fear is a liar. So often we listen to fear. My mind goes to Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua was about to take over from Moses. He had probably 1.5 Israelites. He was on the wrong side of the Jordan River. He was a little nervous about taking over. And this is what God said to him. Have not I commanded you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't it good news to know that God's with us? And we do not have to be afraid. In the New Testament, Timothy was the one that was a little bit nervous. He, he uh, seemed to, to get nervous about things and be fearful. And Paul said to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God does not want us to be controlled by fear. He wants us to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I think that sometimes our fear causes us to do some things that we should not do. And it causes us to not do some things that we should do. I think it's natural to have various fears. I, I know that, is it acrophobia? Is that fear of spiders? How many of you have acrophobia? How many of you like spiders? Okay, I don't see any hounds going up. I fear of heights. Some people are scared when they get very high. I remember in my former church getting on a ladder, and it was not quite as tall as this, but it was close, and I climbed up to the top, and then I decided to let somebody else do it because that was, that was higher than I wanted to be. I don't know if you've had that experience or not. Uh, we, we fear different things. Some of us fear public speaking. Some of us fear rejection by others. And sometimes we don't do things because of the fear that we have. What we need to do is we need to trust God to give us, not fear, but instead power, love, and a sound mind. There might be some that don't want to serve as deacons because they're afraid. There are various reasons to not serve as a deacon, I guess, but, but one of them might be fear. We're, we're afraid that it's going to take too much time. We're afraid that we're not going to be successful. We're afraid that whatever. And we need to recognize that being a deacon is something that God calls people to do, and he equips them, he empowers them to do it if he calls them to do it. I think when we think about a deacon, we need to think about the fact that a deacon is a servant. That's basically what the word means. And there needs to be a willingness to serve because Jesus was willing to serve. Now, how many of you agree we need to be like Jesus? Would you agree with that? First John 2, 6, I think that that, that is on the screen. First John or will be on the screen. Uh, he who says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. If we claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we ought to be living like Jesus Christ lived. I think most of us would agree with that. We recognize we're not going to be perfect, but we need to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what was the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ? Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Isn't that a great verse? And Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of lords. He was the creator of the universe. But he did not come in order to be served. He came to serve. And he eventually gave his life 
by dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. The same attitude is seen in in Philippians chapter 2. In fact, if you'll turn there for just a moment, Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. And he describes the ministry of Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, you need to have this same attitude. You need to have this same perspective. You need to have this same mindset. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a what? Depends on your translation. For some it says servant. For some it says bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came as a servant. He came to live and to die for you and for me. We see this also in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is the story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. John chapter 13, look at verses 3 through 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he knew exactly who he was. He knew that he was the King of kings and Lord of lords. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. They had a need. Their feet were dirty. Normally, a servant was around to do that, but apparently there was not a servant to wash the feet of the disciples. So Jesus, he served them. He met their needs. If Jesus did that, aren't we supposed to do the same thing? He was the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet he bowed and he served them by washing their feet. Look at verses 12 through 17. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus gave us the example of serving others. Now we might not have the same needs as the disciples did. I I have not examined the feet of anybody in here, I don't believe. Uh, I don't know if you need to have your feet washed or not. But I do know this, that each and every one of us have various needs. And if we're going to have the attitude of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be seeking to meet the needs of people around us. And that, that's what a deacon does. Is a deacon serves and seeks to meet the needs of people. Now the interesting thing is this. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Verse 16. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We can, we can know these things and not do them. But we're blessed. We're fortunate. We're to be envied if we do them, if we serve. Now, not all of us are called to serve as a deacon. In fact, we're going to look at the duties of a deacon. We're going to look at the qualifications for a deacon. But each one of us ought to be intent upon serving one another, just like Jesus did. The duties of a deacon. At Catawba Baptist Church, I guess 
various deacons of various churches do it different ways. But these are some of the things that we do here at Katama. Number one, serving widows and widowers. Most of the deacons and many of the inactive deacons, they have widows or widowers that they're taking care of. Last week we talked from Acts chapter 6 where the Grecian widows were complaining because they were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Well, the, the, the apostles felt like they didn't, shouldn't be distracted from prayer and the ministry of the word, so they set apart the deacons in order to take care of this situation. They were serving tables. And, and there were widows and widowers, especially widows in this situation, that they were taking care of. They were freeing up the leaders to concentrate on prayer and the ministry of the word. And they were serving tables. Serving widows and widowers is one thing that we do. Number two, serving the Lord's Supper. It's an opportunity to participate in that important event. Number three, serving in general. Um, several weeks ago, somebody called me and they said they had this particular need and what I did is I called the chairman of the deacons and I communicated that to them he got a few deacons together and they went and took care of that need now not all the deacons were able to do that it's not a scenario where you have to do everything you're asked to do so to speak but it's an opportunity to provide service now many of you do that anyway as I look around I see people that are deacons people that are not deacons who serve people who meet needs of people and that's one of the things that deacons do is they serve in general. Supporting the leadership. In Acts chapter 6, that's exactly what they were doing. They were freeing up the leadership so they could focus on the priorities of prayer, the ministry of the word. And I think it's important for, for deacons to do that. Often people, when, when they talk about deacons, they talk about Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. I thought it was interesting that we're looking at 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, this is Exodus 17, 8 through 13. It's the story of Moses and Aaron and her. So I'm just going to read that story because they supported the leadership of Moses. Now, this is, this is during the Exodus. This is during the wandering in the wilderness and so on, right before the giving of the Ten Commandments. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. Can you imagine that? All day long holding up your hands? You get tired after a while, especially since he was 80-plus years old. Moses' hand became heavy. They took a stone and put it under him. He sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Why? Not just because Moses held up his hands, but because Aaron and her helped him do so. So it's a matter of serving widows and widowers, serving the Lord's Supper, serving in general, supporting the leadership. It's also a matter of praying. If we don't pray, basically what we're doing is we're saying, I can handle this on my own. Prayer is a, an expression of our dependence on God. And as deacons, that's exactly what we need to do. 
There's a men's prayer time. Sometimes people mistakenly think it's a deacon's prayer time because a lot of deacons are involved in it. It's not one of the the responsibilities or duties of a deacon, but many of the deacons are involved in the men's prayer time on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock in the chapel. That's an opportunity to gather together to have a short devotional and to pray together for different needs of the church. And praying is very important for each and every one of us, not just for deacons. Finally, there is a meeting monthly. Uh, Warren Wiersbe put it like this. The, the deacons are not in charge of the church, but they sound, as he said, a pastor's advisory and sounding board. And, and that's exactly what we do when we gather together as deacons. We, we take care of, uh, of different matters, of different items of business. But, but the main thing, or one of the main things we do, is we talk about ministry. We, we talk about how we as a church can be what God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. And I appreciate the, the, uh, the opportunity to bounce things off of the deacons in that monthly meeting. We normally meet, it, it turns out, probably nine or ten times a, a month because we usually take off Christmas. We usually miss a month as well. But these are some of the duties of a deacon at Catawba Baptist Church, in case you were wondering what a deacon does. The qualifications of a deacon. We see this in Acts chapter 6 as well as 1 Timothy chapter 3. We looked at Acts chapter 6 briefly last week. And and let's just go ahead and look at Acts chapter 6 and verse number 3. Because it has four different qualifications for a deacon in that, that particular verse. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Probably some of you are saying, well, I just, I just see three qualifications. But I think there are four here. The first one is that this person, uh, deacon, should be of good reputation. It makes sense, does it not, that, that you want people in the leadership of the church that have a, a good reputation? Uh, you don't want somebody that has a bad reputation uh, representing the church because if, if such is the case, that gives the church a bad reputation. And we're not, not talking about perfection because none of us are perfect, but we ought to be living our lives in such a way that people look at us and, and they think, well, that person's a Christian, that person is living for God. This makes sense, does it not? So if good reputation is number one, number two, full of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What that basically means is that each and every one of us have a choice to Allow the flesh to control us or allow the spirit to control us. In other words, to do what we want to do and what comes natural or to do what God wants us to do and what comes supernatural, the Holy Spirit working in us so that we can be what God wants us to be and do what he wants us to do. If, if we're going to be a deacon, then, then in general, our life should be reflected in Galatians 5, to 23, where it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These characteristics should be characteristic of our lives. Now, do we, we fail sometimes? Would any deacon say, I've done that every single time in all my life? No, I've not always done that. All of us fail. But that should be characteristic of our life. We should be living a kind of life where we are obviously full of the Holy Spirit, we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're producing the, the fruit of the Spirit. 
the, the, the third one is, is full of wisdom. James chapter 3, verse number 17 says, The wisdom that is from above is pure, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's the kind of wisdom that we are supposed to have. Wisdom is basically seeing life through God's eyes. And those of us who are deacons or in church leadership need to seek to do that, to see life through God's eyes. The fourth one is this. Notice in verse number three it says, whom we may appoint over this business. So a fourth characteristic is receptive to leadership. A deacon shouldn't be one who is basically saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what anybody says. But instead needs to, to be respectful and receptive of the leadership in the church. So these are four characteristics in Acts chapter 6, verses, uh, three, verse number 3. But when you, when you look at those characteristics, isn't it true that all of us need to have those characteristics? I mean, as a deacon, those are, those are the characteristics that definitely need to be had. But don't we need to have good reputations? Don't we need to be full of the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit? Don't we need to be full of wisdom? The good news is when we lack it, we can ask God and he'll give it to us, James 1.5. Don't we need to be receptive to leadership as well? Well, Philippians chapter 1, it talked about two offices. It talked about the office of the deacons. It talked about the office of the bishops or the overseers. Sometimes that is, is, is the same thing as elders. Uh, This might have been a precursor to the office of the deacons. These were men that were chosen and eventually they recognized this was a good thing to do and therefore in the church they had deacons who took care of the needs of people in in different ways. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 through 13, it talks about qualifications for a deacon. It starts off in verses 1 through 7 talking about qualifications for a bishop, for a pastor, for an elder, and then it moves into verse number 8, where it says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, as, we, as we look at these qualifications, the first one is reverent. It has to do with being grave. It has to, be doing, has to do with being serious about things of God. Uh, a couple other translations would be worthy of respect or dignified. I think it's important that, that those of us in leadership, that we be reverent, that we be grave, that we be serious about living for God. We don't need to be flippant. We don't need, need to, to, to be living in such a way that we're not really serious about doing what God wants us to do and being what God wants us to be. So a deacon needs to be reverent. Number two, not double-tongued. person who's double-tongued, says one thing to one person, says something else to another person. It's, it's a indicative of a lack of character or a lack of integrity. Instead, we need to, to be seeking to, to be consistent. Uh, we need to not be hypocritical, but instead uh, we need to seek to, to live in such a way that it's obvious to people around us that, that we, 
we are consistent, that we're saying the same thing. I, I, I hesitate to say this, but my perspective is there are probably not too many politicians that would be qualified to serve as deacons. Now, I'm not saying that none would. I think there's some good ones up there. But there are a lot of ones that say one thing to one person, say another thing to another person. So not double tongue, not speaking differently to different people. Next is not given to much wine. God's word makes it clear that wine can be a problem. It says clearly, don't be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we could, we could give a whole sermon on, on drinking, but there are various reasons that I would say that we should not drink, that, that I choose not to drink uh, because of the health issue, because of the associations, uh, and especially because of the issue of being a stumbling block. Think about it like this. If somebody out there, a teenager or someone, saw me drinking, they could look at me and say, well, Ron Richardson was drinking. Why can't I do it? And maybe I could handle it. But if I caused someone to start drinking and they became an alcoholic, I would hate to be that stumbling block. So my perspective is that I am not going to drink. My perspective is, and that's the perspective that we have here at, at Catawba Baptist Church, to serve at a deacon, uh, you need to, to not drink. So not given to much wine here, we take it a little bit further, and we, we believe that you shouldn't drink alcohol. Not greedy for money. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money itself, but it's the love of money. And a focus on money can be significant. One of the things we ask our deacons to do is to, to tithe. Uh, in, in, in God's word in Malachi, it basically says if we don't tithe, then we're considered to be robbers. Do you want your deacons at Catawba Baptist Church to be robbers? Probably not. And so we, we do ask that those who serve as deacons uh, do tithe. Not greedy for money. Our focus, our purpose is not just getting as much money as we can. Our purpose is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our purpose is laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Next is holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. There are some things that are hard to understand in God's word. And I don't know that any of us understand everything completely. But we do need to seek to understand. In fact, basically Warren Wiersbe said, or Sumner Wimp said, simply this means he knows what he believes. We need to understand God's word. We need, to, we need to know what we believe and be sincere in our belief with a pure conscience. So that takes reading and study. It takes going to Sunday school, life groups. It takes going to worship service and really focusing on God's word. Again, I, if I expected deacons to know everything about God's word, that would be very hypocritical. Because I certainly don't know everything about God's word, but we do need to be learning scripture and understand what we believe. Goes on to say, first be, be tested and then let them serve as deacons. In other words, somebody shouldn't get saved and then become a deacon. In other words, they need to show that they're living the Christian life and they are practicing service already. A person does not become a deacon to start serving a, de a person becomes a deacon because he is already serving. So it needs to be first tested, then serve as deacons. The next one is blameless. Uh, sometimes we would think, well, if he's blameless, that means he's perfect. 
But God's word clearly indicates in other portions of scripture, especially 1 John chapter 1, that none of us are perfect, but we need to, to give no just cause for accusation. And, and if we do mess up, what do we need to do? We need to acknowledge it. We need to apologize. Uh, we need to definitely confess our sins to God, but there are times we need to confess our sins or our shortcomings to others as well. It's important that we live a blameless life, that we are consistently living for God. First John 2, 3 says, By this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. That doesn't mean that, that if we ever sin that we don't know Jesus. It means if we're consistently not living for God, if we're consistently not keeping his commandments, then we can't have assurance of salvation. But if we want to serve as a deacon, we need to consistently seek to live for God. Well, when we think about a deacon, it's not just the men, it's the wives as well. Uh, the wives need to be reverent, grave, serious about living for God. Not slanderers, talking about people. Gossip is unbecoming of a deacon's wife. Temperate, self-controlled, cool, calm, and collected, so to speak. Faithful in all things. Uh, of course, that would be uh, faithful in attendance, faithful in living for God, and so on. And that's the responsibility of the wives. It goes on to say the husbands of one wife. The traditional interpretation is that the deacon should not be divorced or remarried. And that's, that's what we believe here at Catawba Baptist Church. Now we recognize that that means some very good men are not allowed to serve as deacons. My former church, there was an individual that could not serve as a deacon because he had been divorced and remarried. But, but he was extremely faithful. He taught one of the, the, the most significant Sunday school classes in the church. He was always involved in serving and so on. Uh, it's not that you can't serve, it's, it's that you can't serve as a deacon according to God's word. And, and what I try to do as a pastor and what we try to do as a church is to conduct ourselves according to the Word of God. We believe that God's Word is true, that God's Word is authoritative, and that we need to live accordingly. Even when common sense seems to indicate contrary to God's Word, we want to try to go with God's Word. As we rightly divide the Word of truth, we want to live accordingly. Now, we recognize that there are some churches that interpret differently than we do. And it's our, not our responsibility to, to condemn them or judge them or say they are wrong. Some of these people that are serving in those churches might be a lot smarter than I. But as I look at God's Word and as we as a church look at God's Word, what we need to do is we need to try to understand it and seek to apply it in our situation. It goes on to say ruling their children and their own houses well. If we want to serve as deacons, we need to to have de children that, that are, are living lives of obedience that are seeking to live for God and so on. Not perfect again, um, but, but not living in rebellion and, and totally um, going against God and so on. Now, can we help what our children do once they leave the household, so to speak? No, I don't, I don't think that we can. Uh, I think that, that hopefully when we raise them up in the nurture and admission of the Lord, if they do stray away, they'll come back. But I don't, I don't think we're responsible for children when they're not in our household. In fact, it says ruling their children and their own houses well. This can be a difficult thing because uh, sometimes our kids do mess up. And I don't think this means that if our kids mess up, we are not able to be a deacon. I think it means that 
that in general our kids need to, to be ruled by us in such a way uh, that, that it's obvious that, that we are providing good leadership and, and that they're responding in a positive way. Um, again, this is one of the difficulties of, of, of service. Sometimes we look at these things and we say, well, man, there's no way that I can do this because my kids, they just, they just aren't this way. But, but I believe that we need to prayerfully consider and look over these different qualifications and, and just ask God, God, is, 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 is in this situation, do I qualify to serve as a deacon? Most of us just don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we, we could do this. But I think that, that as we are seeking to live according to these things, then we can serve in that way. And there's a reward to serving. Look at verse number 13. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 13. Those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I think that when we serve well, two things happen. Number one, God will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want God to say? Isn't that what, uh, when it comes to the end of life, you would rather that happen than for people to say, well, he had a lot of money, or he had a big house, or he had, he had some, some nice toys that, that he played with, so to speak. Uh, isn't that more important? To have the good standing of God and also the good standing of others. Because I really believe that when we live for God, people truly respect us. So number one is good standing. Number two is great boldness in the faith in Christ Jesus. When we are putting to test God's word and living accordingly, when we're trusting and obeying, then I think we can have significant boldness. We can really seek to live for God boldly because of the fact that we know that God is with us and he's helped us and he enables us to trust and to obey. The duties of a deacon at Catawba Baptist Church, just to give you an idea of some of the things that we do and the qualifications of a deacon from Acts 6-3 as, far, as well as 1 Timothy 3 verses 8 through 13. And there is a reward when we seek to live for him. Now, I, I believe that, that um, one of the things that we need to do if we're prospective deacons or if we're thinking about prospective deacons is, is think about these qualifications and the duties and so on. Pray about it and then nominate someone to serve. The, the 17th Wednesday is the deadline. Uh, so think and pray about it. Uh, I think according to our, the, the way we do it, we, we, incur, we ask you to ask the person if they are willing to serve. Uh, so consider doing that. If you want to talk to me about that's the, the whole scenario. If you want to talk to, to one of the deacons, to Ron Helms, the chairman of deacons, or some of the other deacons, feel free to do that. Uh, but this is an important position. It's a position which really demands respect because of the duties they do and the qualifications which they have. Let's go back to the beginning. We started talking about the fact that we need to want to be like Jesus Christ, to walk as he walked. He was a servant. He did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. He washed the disciples' feet. Should we not want to serve as well? And when we do serve faithfully, though it might take some time and effort, when we do serve faithfully, I really believe that there is a significant reward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the 
opportunity that you give us to serve, we want to become more like Jesus Christ. And I recognize that, that many of these things that have been said today apply to each and every one of us because we need to be seeking to serve. We need to be seeking to live lives which are pleasing to you. I pray, Lord, that you'll quicken our hearts in regard to nominating people as well as being willing to be nominated, be willing to serve. I just pray, Lord, that you will help us to, to really focus on this important thing of, of, of serving you, whether we're a deacon or whether we're not. We just thank you for your goodness to us. It's because of all that you've done for us that we want to respect you and to serve you in truth with all of our heart. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.